Well, this is a bit strange. I'm sitting looking at an empty chair, and that's because my normal sparring partner and co-host is not here. She's on the Gold Coast. On the Gold Coast. Um, and that's because now that all the travel restrictions are lifted, she can do her book tour, uh, promoting her new book, in real life, in person. She doesn't have to do it on Zoom, which is ironic because now she has to do this podcast on Zoom. Um, we'll be talking to her later about things like the new twist in the pet laws, um, her visit to a site with Building Commissioner David Chandler, and a new product that uh, I went to investigate in uh, an apartment block, which is a tile made out of old glass and old clothes. I'm Jimmy Thompson, and this is the Flat Chat Wrap. So, Sue, what are you doing in the Gold Coast? Um, yes, I'm being attacked by birds at the moment. <laughs> um, I'm just um, in the Gold Coast doing a talk about um, the history of the beginnings of colonial Sydney. And why um, would you be doing related that? Related to my book, a historical novel called Elizabeth and Elizabeth, about Elizabeth MacArthur and Elizabeth Macquarie in the early days of the colony. So the book is apparently going extremely well. Right. So I'm doing a little mini tour. I've done a few Zoom talks and meetings, um, yes. you know, talks in front of lots of different people. Yeah, and um, this is my first one in person. So with the borders open, I've come All up right. here. Yes, so they're they're doing it here. But so now, that's that's, which means you have to talk to me via Zoom. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but never mind. All right, well, the sound is okay. It's not bad. You're you're sounding better than me. I don't know how that works. But um, anyway. So this whole thing with pets has reared up again. Yeah, and in quite a bizarre way. It, it always seems to be you just never can quite predict it, really. Mm. <laughs> and we've had the big fight about allowing pets into buildings. Then we've had the Court of Appeals saying, well, um, no blanket bans on pets aren't allowed. Yeah. And now we had a couple who had a dog. They went into a building that didn't allow dogs. Yeah. And kind of a little bit like Joe Cooper Horizon, which started this whole fuss off, really. Yeah. And they were told, no, they had to get rid of their dogs. So they went to NCAT saying, well, the Court of Appeal has said blanket bans are unconscionable. Yeah. And then NCAT came back with a very interesting ruling because their building didn't actually have a blanket ban on pets. It only had a blanket ban on dogs. Right. It actually allowed cats and fish. So <laughs> it said the ruling wasn't relevant. So... Right. So incredible, really, the twists and turns of this whole saga. And this is a big complex out in Camperdown, isn't it? It's um, it, that's it, right. It's what's it called? Twelve the, buildings, city right. quarter, city quarter, and right. um, it's the community association. It's their bylaws that don't allow dogs. Right. But apparently, some buildings choose not to enact and enforce that bylaw. Right. And uh, some buildings do enforce that bylaw. And uh, the couple with the dog were in one of the buildings that enforces the bylaw. So they've been told that their dog is can't be kept legally in the building. Now, the, the, one of the, the gentleman partner in this couple is quite well known, isn't he? 
He is Scott McGregor. Um, he's uh, an actor. He used to appear in the Sullivans and things like Home and Away. So you know, he's he's quite um, a well-established actor. Yeah. And he's always been an incredible train enthusiast. Okay. And he presented a show called Amazing Railway Adventures in Australia a few okay. years ago. And now he has a railway tour company. He does train tours all around the world. And uh-huh. he's always the host. He's, he's very brilliant. He's very, you know, happy and really yeah. incredible good company. And I've, yeah. I've interviewed him a few times for Traveller. Right. And, uh, so it was funny to, to find him in a completely different context in with his um, – Little Jack Russell called it's, Jimmy. He's a fox so terrier. If I may correct, and, fox and, terrier, on, on behalf of my namesake, Jimmy is a fox terrier and and very cute looking chap he is too. Yeah, absolutely. This is so, kind of so it's uh, a campaign to free Jimmy. Yeah. Well, he's the thing is, I mean, it was the couple who went to NCAT. It wasn't that they were breached. They said we're going to NCAT to get the bylaw overturned. And they didn't even take a lawyer. You know, they, they were so convinced that the law had been changed. And then we get this ruling that, well, partly they were trying to overturn a bylaw that didn't exist because mm. the thing that they were trying to change was Section 157 of the Act says that if there is a bylaw that says you cannot unreasonably be refused a pet, then the tribunal can order them to let you have the pet if they've been unreasonable in refusing Mm. it. And the tribunal member said, well, that bylaw doesn't exist here. There is no bylaw that allows the owner's corporation to allow them to have a pet. So you can't overturn a bylaw that doesn't exist. No, it's kind of quite bizarre, really, isn't it? So if they'd had a blanket ban on pets, one would think the NCAP um, member would have said, well, yes, because the Court of Appeal has deemed that you can't have those, then okay, you can have whatever you like in your buildings. But now, um, yeah, it it was something that took them completely by surprise and took (laughs) many others by surprise as well. But the, the other thing that the Court of Appeal did say that they didn't try to use was that you can't set bylaws to affect what people do in their own homes when what they do in their own homes doesn't affect anyone else. Yes, so if they'd have challenged the bylaw on that basis, maybe they would have had a lot more success. Yeah, and I think that's probably the the route that they'll take Um, because I've had several letters from the uh, secretary, I think he is, of the Owners Corporation who gave very eloquent, you know, very friendly letters apart from his first he sent out a an open letter to the media saying this is all the media's fault and you know for telling people that dogs were now allowed in all apartment blocks which i'm sure some people got that wrong we didn't but uh, some people said the law had been changed and so i don't think it's a very good tactic to send a media announcement to the media telling everyone that the media got it wrong and expecting them to print it. I expect them story. to print it, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, we got the exclusive on that, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and the other aspect of this is that the law is, is being changed. Mm, that's right. With the Yes, it's just been being changed in New South Wales, isn't it? Because they're, they're having a little bit of a pause before it's changed. They voted to change it, but they're just trying to um, define what would be an unreasonable mm. um, refusal of a pet. So. Mm. When that definition comes through, um, the law will change, and it, it seems that 
um, most animals will be allowed into most apartments, but um, the law may allow some um, buildings to refuse, I guess. Yes. I was thinking about this. How can they define this? You know, because as you know, I'm pro-pet. I I love seeing the little dogs in our apartment block. But I can understand why people want to live in buildings where there are no pets. And how do you define what is a reasonable um, exclusion? And I think the only way they can do it is to get a vote, not just of the people who can be bothered to turn up at a meeting, but say 75% of all owners. And if they can do that, then maybe they can bring in a ban. But um, it's got to be an overwhelming majority of all the people who own in the building, not just the the ones who bother to turn up at meetings. Absolutely, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I think Scott McGregor and his partner are determined that they're not going to let Jimmy go and um, they're going to wait to get a breach of bylaw notice and then um, let the building take them to NCAT this time and see how that goes. So yeah, we'll and see I how think, that works out really. And I think the building is determined to <laughs> to do that. I can hear lots of movement. Yeah, in exactly. The back, lots of movement in the background there. Is, you're at a library <laughs> on, on Broad Beach, I believe. Yes. That's um, right. Well, um, the library has just opened because it, the opening hours have changed a bit. And there's actually a big queue of people outside. Really? That's um, very Which shows how much people are reading these days, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I haven't is, seen anyone with my book yet, but never you, mind. When is your session? That will happen. <laughs> when is your session? Um, in in um, about three quarters of an hour. Oh, they're so, yes. to So see some you. of these people might be. Yeah, it's your maybe, fans. Maybe. It's your fans. Yeah, it's yes. your fan club. You've turned up. You'll be signing books before you know it. Oh, don't say that. It's too scary. Too scary. You'll make me nervous. Now, let's talk about something else, Jimmy. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break while Sue composes herself and signs a few books. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your visit to the building commissioner. That's after this. And we're back, and there's lots of background, authentic background yes. noise going on. Um, Sorry about that. Yep. <laughs> so you did a, I called it a ride along with the building commissioner. What What's it like being with him? Is he? Do people take him seriously? Do you think? Yes, it was the first time I'd met the building commissioner, David Chandler, and as you know, he's been in his office. Um, well, he's, he's had these extraordinary powers to close down building sites for six months now. So I wanted to see what it was actually like to go with him onto a building site. And it was absolutely fascinating um, because I was standing there waiting for his, his arrival with yeah. some developers and waterproofers and tradesmen and the owner of the developing development company and tilers and all these different people and they're all assembled waiting for him and when he arrived it was like royalty it was almost as if we were going to roll out a red carpet for him (laughs) everybody to a person stood up when he arrived and all kind of gathered around him to shake his hand and it's really interesting because it's quite an impressive personality I mean he's a bit of a he's kind of a bit school teacher-ish you know we were kind of all naughty pupils really and he kind of ordered us around and told us what to do and where to go but quite a jocular man he shook hands with everyone and you know inquired about their families and the state of their haircuts and things (laughs) and um you know passed free comment on things and uh 
it was interesting to show to to see what in what regard is held. I mean, people are very nervous of him because obviously he has this incredible power. Yeah. But at the same time, they're very very keen to please him and show him the good work they're doing. Yes. Um, and the building site I was on was turned out to be a good one, and uh, David Chandler was very pleased with most of what he's he saw. But he did notice a couple of tiny little things and he called them up immediately and everybody kind of jumped to try and go over and rectify, you know, almost immediately. It was quite incredible. I've never seen anyone move as fast, really. So it was fascinating to see him. And I talked to a few people and said, you know, do you think he's making a difference? And they all said, absolutely, because the bad um, developers and builders are kind of looking at him and thinking it's just not worth it anymore and are shutting up shop. They were saying that some builder, some developers have just left the industry immediately, really. Wow. The good developers obviously don't have to worry. The middling developers, you know, they may make mistakes here and there, but it seems they were all saying that everybody has really lifted their game. Right. And, the, and I said to one one guy who's in charge of um, a waterproofing company, I said, "What's the what was the atmosphere like in the industry at the moment? He said, absolute panic <laughs> <laughs> well we, you, you, you uh, made a little recording of david chandler himself when you asked him how what kind of a impression he was making so let's just play that and hear what he says so you've asked me how i feel things are going um i think everybody's starting to tell you and others that things are changing um i've yet to see that industry-wide so what i've got to do is build on the positive stories and make sure that they become everybody's story so he's um, cautiously optimistic, uh, I think would be the phrase. Yes, absolutely. He's a very determined man. And I think when the New South Wales government announced that they were going to appoint a building commissioner, I mean, everybody thought, oh, is this just going to be another bureaucrat and just a, a pen-pushing exercise? But he's somebody who's very determined to, to hit the ground running. And he, you know, he knows stuff. He's obviously got that fantastic yeah. background. And he's eager to use his powers. He's, he's not shy of calling stuff out and you know i can't actually think of a, a better personality to do something like this really and it, well, he, he's the kind of person that strikes you that you know in another life he could have been a builder or a, or a developer because he has that forceful personality yep sure thing and i was talking to kathleen Lowsby, the former head of the new south wales architecture institute and she was saying in that capacity she would love to see building commissioners appointed in all the states, really, because we've seen what an electric impact he's had on New South Wales. Yeah. They would like to see him having the same kind of impact in Victoria and Queensland and the other states and territories too. Before all and the dodgy developers it, go to the, yeah. those states. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, exactly. New South Wales and set up yeah. shop somewhere else. Well, and just it, on, on the bus coming into town here on the Gold Coast, I mean, there's some shocking buildings, really mm -hmm. awful buildings, and yeah. it would be nice to, to have the whole industry cleaned up, really. Yeah, and he talking about cleaning up, he was revealed some obsession about a woman's <laughs> toilet. That's right. Uh, it's kind of... It was a bit odd, really. It took us all by surprise, except the developer, and I, he's obviously talked about these kind of issues to him before but he always makes a point of visiting a women's toilet on the building site or right. in the area that the women who are working on the site would have to use yeah and he is adamant that those toilets should be 
really good and really clean. And he goes as far as taking a picture of the toilet bowl to make sure it's clean and showing that to the developer if he's not happy. Because he says we need more women in the building industry and development industry and we're not going to get them when we can't even provide basic facilities which suit them. I mean, all power to him, really, for that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah. In, in the International Women's Day week, it's kind of a nice thing to note, I think, really. <laughs> yes. He's flushed with success. Oh, right. dear. You've been practicing there, haven't no, you? No, no, I just thought a bit honest. I'm beginning to wonder <laughs> if I should edit it out. When we come back, we're going to be talking about, um, well, a couple of other women of, of um, making a difference in uh, the building industry. We're going to be talking about micro recycling. That's after this. And we're back. And I was out and about last week, too. Yeah. Tell us about what you saw. Well, I went to a launch at the Pavilions Building, which is one of Mervac's new buildings out at Homebush, of this new product that they are promoting and sponsoring, which is, to put it in some sort of context, it's a kind of tile, kind of fake ceramic, which is made up out of old clothes and glass, <laughs> believe it or not. Oh, right. And and also I saw coffee bags, jute coffee bags as well. Jute they kind coffee of bags. Chuck were, a few things in there. in there. Yes. I thought it was little <laughs> coffee bags well, that you make a cup of coffee with, but no, it's the, the sacking thing. Mm, yeah. Oh, right. and how does it look? It looks great, actually. It's, it's not a shiny tile or kind of semi-shiny, but in some of them they're polished. But it's it's mm. got a real texture to it. It's um it's almost like a terrazzo. Some of them, the floor tiles. So they had floor right. tiles. They had wall tiles. They had splashbacks. They had tabletops. They even had pendant lamps. You know, which were like a long cylinder lamp, all made out of this product, all made out of uh, recycled glass and fabric. In fact, Professor Vina Sahajwala from University of mm. New South Wales, smart. Um, section. She presented Susan Lloyd Horowitz, who is the CEO and MD of Mervac, with a tile, a little 10 centimeter tile made from her son's school uniform. Oh my God. <laughs> so when her son's searching for his school uniform, she has to say, I'm sorry, it's yeah, gone to a is. better cause. <laughs> it's sitting under that cup. Yeah. So no, I thought that was really interesting. It's so, cute. Yeah. So they uh, they both and and um, the environment and energy minister, uh, state minister Matt Keane was there. But first of all, let's let's hear a, a little clip from Professor Vina Sahajwala. But I have to, of course, acknowledge the fact that we have received funding from both federal government and state government, and particularly acknowledging the fact that. Science and technology, again, doesn't just happen in isolation. You know, we've got incredibly fantastic support if you start to think about the fundamental science. Um, in this particular case, we're talking about recycling science and the fact that we had to literally go back and discover and do the basics of that science and to, and to make those discoveries that we actually realized very quickly that there was no name for the science that we were doing. So we said, right, okay. This is going to be micro-recycling science from now on. And if I might just explain for one moment, why micro-recycling science? Because 
fundamentally, when you think about recycling, people think about converting like for like, where you basically take plastic bottle, convert into plastic bottle. And that's a fantastic outcome when you can do that, when you've got a nice, clean PET water bottle. But what if you've actually got, as we know in this case, glass, fabric, you know, all the old clothes, things that we see many times that go into our yellow bins that we would love to be able to convert them into more glass. And of course, that's how recycling is typically thought of. Nothing wrong with that. But what if you did not have the opportunity to have a glass smelter close enough and you had to transport your waste over long distances? In that way, what you've actually done is you've made it not that cost effective. So the ideal scenario is if you can create different pathways to recycling. So one could well be the more traditional recycling of converting glass into glass. And the other one that we've developed, of course, and the work that you'll see today at Mervac is converting materials into a whole new form. And this thing we call as reform because it's going beyond recycling. You're converting glass and textiles into a whole new green ceramics. What this allows us to do is minimize the cost of transport, decentralize these facilities, have manufacturing happening and converting waste into value-added products. So that is one of the most interesting things about this is that what they're setting up, rather than having a big factory somewhere where you take all the stuff, even if it was recycled stuff, um, making it into something new, they're saying, no, let's have the factory near where it's used and near where the material comes from. So you have a little workshop somewhere that's turning this stuff out so you don't waste the benefit of recycling by using up your carbon footprint by trucking stuff out to the country and bringing it back again. That's great, isn't it? Yeah, I think, they, I think they have a place out at Kudamundra, a little experimental oh. factory there. Uh, and there was a big thing on um, Australian Story, which you'll be able to see on iView, about the whole mm. process. Oh, fantastic. And you said it looks really good. How does it actually feel? Well, it's not as cold as ceramic, you know, a proper ceramic tile. It's actually oh, yeah. quite, and it can have texture, like the one made from the coffee bags. You could actually feel the surface, which is, you know, quite a common thing now in tiling. Um, yeah. But the, the floor tiling was smooth, although it did have a pattern in it. And the splashback stuff looked, I think it was smooth, but it looked like, you know, it had a color through it. It had a, a texture in the color. It was really, really interesting. And I asked them, you know, the million dollar question, does this cost more to produce than ceramic tiles? Mm. And they said, no, it's about the same. And as they ramp up production, it will become cheaper and the other really? thing so yeah. then it becomes really viable as a product in terms of its cost i also asked does it not use a lot of energy to make the stuff anyway yeah. and they said no because it's a cold process they don't have to superheat the the stuff oh. yeah so how does it actually compare in terms of the carbon footprint then much much less i mean so much mm. less and when you think of um Remember that TV show, A War on Waste, um, where they oh, showed yeah. you the tons and tons and tons of clothing because we now live in an era of disposable fashion. All these tons of clothing that are just thrown out by yeah. Australians every day. Yeah. Well, now there's somewhere for them to go. Because, That's fantastic. Yeah. 
Uh, it, I think it's amazing. Sorry. And that was in an apartment in the Sydney Olympic Park, wasn't it? The Pavilion's apartment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and are it, they putting it in more apartments out there, or was that just a show apartment? I think it was a show apartment to show what they're planning to do, but mm. I think it will be an option for apartments that when you go and you know you go into a new apartment they will be offering, would you like to have this micro-recycled stuff? Oh, and great. I don't know if it's going to cost a bit more or a bit less, but I think it's much. It's a kind of um, passion thing, isn't it? It's like people yeah. who are passionate about recycling. Yeah, and it becomes a real feature to talk about as well, doesn't it, really? Yeah, so uh, mm. I, I think it's terrific. And Matt Keane, the, the minister, um, he was there. He was quite funny, actually. He's apparently the the right wing press, the the Fox TV, uh, Sky News people, call him Green Keen, and uh, really, <laughs> I think that's a badge he wears with pride. Here's what he had to yeah. say: a lot to celebrate here at the Pavilion's residences, and uh, in particular this fantastic collaboration between the University of New South Wales Smart Centre and obviously Murdoch. But um, in addition to uh, celebrating that collaboration, we're also celebrating uh, that Sydney continues to be the construction capital of Australia, leading the nation out of the COVID recession. And the best thing about this is that we're making it a green recovery, a green recovery. And if you, any of you watch Sky News, you'll see that Green Keen is out there leading, <laughs> being a big part of this. Uh, but I'm glad to see it's not just me, it's the great people here involved in Murdoch and the University of New South Wales, because it includes innovations like green ceramics in this amazing development. So a couple of things that you already know, that this industry is the single largest global consumer of resources and raw materials. And right here in New South Wales, construction and develop, demolition waste makes up the majority of all waste generated right here in this state. Now, we've got a pretty good track record in dealing with it. In fact, our recycling rates are up at around 77%. But we've got a long way to go in making the industry truly sustainable. And it's projects like this here, right here in Homebush, that are gonna make sure we deliver on that promise uh, to make the industry and make our community truly sustainable. So yeah, he's enthusiastic. He's, he's on board with it. I'm probably gonna do a feature, I'm hoping, about this for this weekend's uh, financial review. So that'll have a lot more detail in it. Great, I look forward to reading it. I look forward to writing it. All right, Sue, I'd better let you get back to your your fan base there. No stage jumping. Um, oh, they look a bit of a motley crew. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell them that there's something in the book that they buy that isn't in the book that they borrow. That, that would be a trick. Oh, gosh. All right, okay. well, you, you enjoy yourself the rest of your trip, and we'll talk again soon. Fantastic. Cheers, Jimmy. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flat-chat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Wrap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.